Blog Talk Radio. everybody, and welcome to the Women of Golf Show. I'm Ted Odorico, and right alongside, of course, uh, each and every week is none other than LBJ professional and Legends Tour player, Cindy Miller, and we are the hosts of the Women of Golf Show. Good morning, Cindy. Good morning, Ted. How are you today? Uh, I'm doing fantastic. As I was just saying to you off air, it's a beautiful sunny day here in Florida. No rain in the immediate forecast, so I'm pretty excited. Um, let me just, before we start our conversation, Cindy, let me just remind everybody, of course, um, that we are live here uh, on the network, and it's uh, blogtalkradio.com. And uh, up in the search key, if you want to find us, just type in Women of Golf, and that will take you to the uh, main page. And, of course, uh, every Tuesday is from 9 to 10 a.m. Uh, Eastern time, unless we state otherwise, uh, you will find us there. Uh, for some reason, if you can't join us live, uh, you can still visit that page, blogtalkradio.com forward slash women of golf, and just scroll down to the on-demand section and you'll find all of the uh, previously aired shows, including today's show, will be there in the recorded version uh, for you to listen to when it's convenient for you. But thank you for those of you tuning us in uh, today live. Uh, also, you can go to, if you prefer to listen to on a, a different platform, you can go to iTunes.com or Stitcher.com. And just under the podcast section, again, just type in Women of Golf, and that will take you there on either of those platforms. Maybe you want to listen uh, through iTunes or Stitcher. Uh, so you're welcome to do so. We're on there as well. Um, if you want to speak to either Cindy or I or any of the guests uh, while we're live here on uh, Tuesday mornings, uh, you can do so by calling area code 347-945-5855. And um, if you're interested in uh, maybe being a guest on the show or maybe you have comments or questions about the program, uh, you can reach out to uh, Cindy Miller at cindy at cindymillergolf.com or you can certainly reach out to me as well at ted.golftalklive at gmail.com. We've got a great show for you this morning. We're going to have a discussion uh, on, got some questions here for, um, about golf course facts. We're going to talk about two areas, uh, playing the course and golf course care. Some very basic questions, but a lot of amateurs, uh, believe it or not, may not know the answers to some of these. But, and then a little bit later on, we're going to be joined by our very special guest, uh, Lauren DeCenso. Uh, she's a senior writer uh, or senior at uh, Roger Williams University and a golf content writer for New England Golf Monthly. Uh, and she also assists the PGA professional instructor Mike uh, Harbour at his golf range in Warren, Rhode Island. Uh, plus, she has her, now her own online business and blog called Women's Golf Content. So we're going to talk to her a little bit later in the second half. But, um, Cindy, before we start, we were, we were just sort of having a quick conversation before we uh, had to go live here. Um, Cindy, uh, as she was mentioning, just got back from Orlando um, and was sort of giving us an update on, on what the area was like there uh, post-Hurricane uh, Irma. So, so you just share some of the thoughts, some of the things that you saw and, and witnessed while you were down there. Well, when Irma went over Orlando, uh, she was a Category 1, 
and it's funny, our daughter lives down there, and on one street it would be absolutely no damage, and on the next street every tree that was next to the road was bent over and down. And there were three areas on the mm-hmm. way to Orange County National Golf Club that there was standing water in the road probably six to eight inches deep. And that was for three wow. days, and it did not rain at all while I was there for three days. So it's amazing, you know, Orlando really didn't get hit that hard. They did lose power for a day, but I can't yes. even imagine the worst hit areas. So God bless them. And now Maria's on the way. So it's like yeah, you got to be very, very prudent, I guess. Yeah, they oh. they may be looking at another. Yeah, with with uh, Hurricane Maria, of course, um, they're saying it's gonna. Uh, I don't think it's there yet, but it's gonna be gusting up to a Category Four, and it looks like it's following a very similar track to uh, Hurricane Irma. Um, so we'll we'll pray that it takes a very uh, dog leg right, very sharp dog leg right, and heads back out to the Atlantic because uh, we certainly don't need another one hitting. Uh, anywhere here in the uh, U.S., particularly in Florida. I know I've been watching some of the coverage of uh, Florida Keys as an example, and uh, they're just starting to let people back in here the last day or two um, and actually forewarning them that uh, they're going to be quite shocked at what they see when they go down there. So um, a lot of, uh, lot of dis- disruption uh, in people's lives and certainly, um, you know, obviously those that, that made it through are, are very fortunate, but... Um, that they've got to be expecting that there's going to be some damage. But uh, anyways, our thoughts and prayers to everybody out there. And, and we'll be praying, as I said, that uh, Hurricane Marie, uh, Maria, I guess, will um, will circle away from uh, from the States. Um, all right. So, Cindy, this particular topic we're going to talk about this morning is, is just some golf course facts, uh, things that a lot of people don't know. And, and the first category we're going to talk about is uh, actually playing the course. And here's some common questions um, that I've just sort of jotted down that a lot of people ask, and I just thought we would maybe help some of them out, especially our, our high handicappers that maybe uh, have, don't play a lot of golf or maybe haven't played very much yet, and they want to know um, what to do in certain situations. So the first one is um, a pretty standard question, uh, but uh, it's got probably a surprising answer, and that is do golf courses have dress codes? What are your thoughts? And then I'll add mine in there. Uh, most golf courses do have dress codes. I think they've loosened the grip on the collared shirt a little bit. Uh, yeah. And I'm not sure that they would police the length of the shorts or the skirt, depending on where you're at. I know that um, when I went to Wingfoot one time to play, I wasn't allowed to wear shorts. I had to go buy a skirt um, hmm. inside the pro shop and you know needless to say that was a really long time ago but still i think you know you need to be very aware so if you're going to go to a play a country club that you haven't been at before if you're going to play with a member i would ask them or i would go to the country club's website and yes scroll down and see if there happens to be a dress code listed just so you're prepared and you know exactly what's going on and you don't get embarrassed when you get there yeah, and it's always a good uh, a good call to actually phone ahead of time 
uh, when you're making it, again, if you're going to be playing with a member of the club, then usually they all have a, a good understanding of, hopefully they should have a good understanding of the rules if they're playing there. Um, but it's always a good idea when you're calling ahead to book your tea time to ask and inquire at that time if uh, what their dress code policy is. But the general rule is this, and Cindy, you're exactly right. Um, many of your, your country clubs or even your private clubs are a little stricter on some of the dress codes. Um, but when you get into some of your municipal or, or semi-private clubs, uh, they buy, certainly have uh, loosened their, their grip, if you will, on, on some of the requirements. Uh, obviously, uh, again, it's a good idea to phone ahead and, and just double check or go on their website, as you suggested, and just um, and see what, uh, what they have to say. But most of them um, are, are still have a fairly... Um, I won't say stringent, but uh, certainly adhere to a dress code. And, and obviously, so you want to not only play your best, but you want to look your best when you go out there. And I think if you're in there in a pair of cutoff shorts and, uh, uh, you know, a, a tank top uh, for ladies or uh, as they call the muscle shirt for the men, you know, that's not going to look too good out, out on the golf course. And I certainly don't want to be paired in your group. So, uh, again, check ahead. Um, now, another part of that component, Cindy, and, and goes into our next question is, do golf courses uh, require players to wear golf shoes? What are your thoughts? I don't believe they require you to wear any kind of shoes other than soft spikes instead of metal spikes, but I don't think anybody's even got metal spikes anymore. I've got a pair down in the basement, uh-uh. but that's about it. Um, so, no, you're not required to wear spikes. Um, if you're going to play and it's a little wet and it's in the morning, I suggest you have golf shoes just so you don't slip and your footing is yep. more stable. But um, what are your thoughts? Well, the rule of thumb is this. Um, you're, you're, again, you're exactly right. They're, you're not required to. However, um, what golf courses require you to do, um, you can certainly wear tennis shoes or sneakers, uh, or, or um, certainly approved golf shoes. In other words, most of the course, not all of them, but a lot of courses do not allow metal spikes anymore. Um, they have the, these little plastic uh, uh, cleats that you see on a lot of the, the golf shoes now, which is mainly just to, to um, help, particularly on the greens, because a lot of the metal spikes, uh, um, they believe over time, uh, can damage uh, a green. But um, uh, you can certainly wear um, virtually, obviously, for ladies, you're not going to go out in a pair of stilettos. Uh, I wouldn't advise it. Um, but what they do say is if you do wear shoes, as long as they're not going to damage, as long as they don't have some sort of uh, what I would call an aggressive treading on the bottom that could potentially uh, damage, and again, we're talking mainly on the greens here, um, then you're, you're pretty much okay to wear just about anything you want. So, um, again, they've laxed a little bit, I think, on that over the years as well. Um, here's a question um, that I think a lot of people um, don't know and probably should know, um, but how do I know which set of tees to use? When I go to the golf course, what tees do I use uh, to play? Um, your thoughts, and then I'll add on to that. Wow, what a great discussion. Um, and you know who's got the best solution for that is U.S. Kids Golf. They really do. Um, They help you know if you're this age, you should be playing from these key markers or this yardage. And Mm -hmm. I think they almost have a calculator. So it depends on how far you hit the ball. And I can tell you that when I was at their last, seminar which i'm going to go to another one next week 
um, I'm supposed to be playing it from like 5,000 yards. And, and to be mm-hmm. honest with you, their, their opinion is such that um, they believe that everyone should be able to shoot par, yes. no matter how old you are. So it's not mm-hmm. about how old you are. It's <clears throat> about how far you hit it, and you should play from the appropriate tee markers. And I can tell you that when you watch a PGA Tour event and you see players hitting par fours in one, and then you play, you know, I believe the Legends Tour and the LPGA play it way too far, and then the scores <clears throat> are bad, and then we look terrible. So I'm like, I'm all for playing it shorter and let everybody shoot par or better. So that's my opinion. Yeah. I just I feel like we beat each other up, and you know, some of these kids' events the PGA, Western New York PGA tournaments, um, no one can reach any green in two on a par four mm-hmm. unless you're, you know, Michelle Wee. So right, that's my exactly. Thought. Yeah, my thought on this is use whatever set of tees um, make you look good, and that's essentially what you just said. Um, you know, I, I see this all the time. Uh, as do you, Cindy, where we see our, our amateur players playing way too far back. If you can't get to a hole in three shots, and I don't care whether it's a par four or even a par five, if you can't get there in three shots, you need to move up. Um, because really, even if you hit it 125 to 150 yards, if that's the best you can do, you can reach virtually every hole uh, in three shots. Now, there are some exceptions, obviously, in some really long courses, but for the most part, um, you can get there. So if you're having difficulty even getting in three shots on any of the holes, uh, obviously with the exception of the the threes, the par threes, um, then you need to move up a set or maybe even two sets of tees. And you're right, Cindy. I mean, I think it depends on your, your ability as a player. Um, you know, if you can hit the ball relatively well, you know, then you can be a little bit more aggressive. But if you're struggling, as I said, just to get there in three shots, then you're obviously playing too far back and you need to reevaluate uh, a little strategy and, and say, I'm, I'm going to move up. I'm going to check the ego at, at the, at the pro shop and I'm going to get out there and move up a set or maybe even two sets, depending on where you're playing from. So uh, I agree wholeheartedly with that. Now, here's a question that, Cindy, that I think a lot of people um, that don't play a lot, and maybe even some that do, probably don't know the answer to this, and that is, are yardages listed? In other words, when you pull up to a hole and you see um, the, the markers there and it tells you it's a part three, four, or five, or what have you, um, are the yardages listed to the front the center, or the back of the green? Typically in the middle. Uh, yes. Typically the yardages are to the center of the green. And, and you know mm-hmm. what's funny is that uh, I don't know that people pay attention to <clears throat> um, the flags. Sometimes the color of the flags will yes. determine where on the green the pin is. So a red flag typically means the front and a white flag means the middle of the green and a blue flag means the pin is in the back. And to learn how to score better, if there is a blue flag and you're at the 150 marker, you can typically add another 10 yards to Mm -hmm. your yardage to be able to get the ball back to the pin. And I don't believe that most people are aware of that. And I think it would help them 
get it closer to the hole and score better. Yep, you're exactly right. Uh, it is to the center of the green typically. Um, in fact, I don't know of any courses that, that don't measure in, in that uh, medium, but um, you're exactly right. I, I don't know how many times I've played with somebody, um, whether it be a playing lesson or, or just, you know, um, some folks that I've happened to be paired with, and they'll get to that scenario where they'll see, well, I've got 135 yards to, to, to the hole, and the pin's cut in the back. And every time they end up short, and they don't understand why. Well, I thought I only had 135 yards. Well, you didn't factor in the fact that the pin is cut on the back of the green. So as you said, you know, it might be as much as an extra 10 yards. So, um, you know, they don't understand why they're not getting back there. Or conversely, if they're not really paying attention um, and the pins cut in the front, they fly over the green because they're, you know, they're again, they're aiming based on the yardage and they're not factoring in that the pin might be, you know, five to 10 yards closer um, than what it really is showing on, on the yardage marker. So, um, you know, this, these are things that and this comes into course strategy, and this is something that we can help you with during a playing lesson. And that's why it's important to get out on the golf course. It's great to hit on the tee box and, and on the practice tee, but it's even more important to get out there uh, you know, and actually play on the golf course in, in some simulations uh, with your instructor. All right, we're going to uh, get into golf course care, and these are some, uh, again, some questions. And this is one, gosh, I, I think even some better people need to learn from this one, Cindy. But um, this question is, where can I drive a golf court, uh, a golf cart, excuse me, on the course? What is uh, typically allowable, or the the protocol, if you will? Typically, thirty yards from the green. So you absolutely do not do not want to drive the golf cart up by the green. Um, that's probably the biggest mistake. And be aware that sometimes the rules state that it's a 90-degree rule. So if it's been raining a lot, they might yes. say 90-degree rule or cart path only. <clears throat> and 90-degree rule means that you can drive up the fairway and make a 90-degree turn to go to your ball. And then you make a 90-degree turn and go back to the cart path and drive all the way down the cart path to get to the hole. Yes. You know, uh, and you're exactly right. Um, now, there are some exceptions on some golf courses. Um, it may fall within less than 30, uh, not typically, but if the golf court, some places will have the golf cart will sort of sweep in behind the green uh, and actually can get quite close. So um, that's certainly allowable if, it's, if the cart path is there. Um, but you're exactly right. Um, another area, too, is within uh, a lot of water hazards. They usually ask at least 10 yards back from any water hazards, and that's just because the ground typically could be a little softer there, and they certainly don't want to have to be fishing out somebody's golf cart out of the pond or uh, lake that might be, <laughs> might be on the golf course. Um, but also the 90-degree rule. And also any standing water. If it's uh, Again, if it's rained recently and there's some standing water, they want you to stay back and not be running through that. You know, Cindy, one of the things that – I guess a pet peeve I have is there's nothing worse than standing on a tee and you've got the group in front of you that, you know, are all out in, in their golf carts and it's like synchronized swimming out in the fairway where they've been looping back and forth. And it's literally like, <laughs> like a pirouette going out there and you're, you're looking, you know what I'm talking about? You're looking out there and they're all over the fairway, especially in the morning when the dew's still fresh. So you see all the tracks and, and so forth and they're just one side to the other and they're just back and forth, back and forth. Um, that's not the way to go, guys. Um, I typically, what I do, uh, if there is no specific rule in play, 
uh, if and the, if the car pat runs car pass excuse me runs out is I will stay to one side or the other of the fairway and over as much as possible uh, to prevent minimal damage. And then I use the 90-degree rule pretty much all the time just so that I'm not leaving a lot of tracks or marks. And that's usually what I try to do, and I try to advise some of my uh, my players in that. Um, here's a question to another one that, that um, has a, kind of an interesting answer. And this talks about uh, – these next two questions actually uh, talks about bunkers. Um, first one is, should rakes be left inside – or outside of the bunker? What are your thoughts? You know, I believe they should be left inside, uh, but I can tell you that most courses will have a, a local rule on what they prefer. Mm-hmm. So yes. I would definitely um, be aware and ask in the pro shop, where do you want the rakes to be left? So that's what I would do. Yeah. Um, believe it or not, there, you're exactly right. There is no steadfast rule either way. The USGA does not have any specific rule one way or the other. Uh, so again, it, it, as you said, it, it falls down to <clears throat> what the local ruling is uh, for that particular course. Um, and, and part of the reason is that there's a little bit of controversy uh, that follows it because um, one of the issues about leaving it outside um, is if a, an errant uh, ball or a ball comes towards the bunker, um, the rake could interfere and prevent the ball from going into the bunker. Uh, conversely, if it's laying inside the, the uh, sand trap, um, again, it can knock the ball out, which could be a good thing for some players. So, uh, again, it's up to the individual course. There's uh, sort of pros and cons for each. Um, the one thing that they um, do not allow is for you to go into the bunker with the rake and test the sand, especially in tournament play. That's illegal. That'll cost you some strokes. Um, and same thing with your golf club. You cannot, uh, even if you see somebody before you didn't rake up a little well and you want to do that, you wait and do that after you've taken your shot and, and uh, play is, is ended. Don't get in there and start raking up some old spots that somebody didn't do because that's testing the sand. And if you're in a tournament, um, you're going to get a penalty uh, for sure on that. Um, the other one too, Cindy, and this is one that uh, I think most people understand, but again, it's uh, again uh, talking about the sand bunker. Uh, is there a right way or a wrong way to rake a sand bunker? Oh, so in other words, you hit your shot. Right way. Great okay. question. So I caddied. I have caddied for <clears throat> my husband on the PGA Tour, um, and my son, every, you know, lots of different, I've played it, I've caddied in major championships, let's put it that way. And when you are a caddy, mm-hmm. there is raking school. And you absolutely mm-hmm. must, 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 must rake the bunker the right way. And it's very delicate. You don't want big, yes. huge grooves in the sand because the next player behind you that gets in the bunker is going to shoot you. And don't think they don't watch who's, who's yep. uh, in front of them. So you have to be very careful and make sure you smooth it out. Um, it's really a delicate process. And you know what's funny? I was playing in the Jim Kelly Pro-Am, the football player, in this spring. Yeah. And I happened to know the green superintendent. And our, our team, one of the guys hit it in the bunker, and we were playing a scramble. So I went in the bunker and got his ball out, and I raked the bunker. And Todd was uh, sitting there watching me, he goes, wow, you really know how to rake a bunker. I'm like, I've been a PGA Tour caddy. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so the superintendent will be happy with you as well if you absolutely know how to rake a bunker. 
And let me let me make another comment. If let's mm-hmm. say you're playing with a group and somebody um, somebody hits it in the bunker and they skull it over the green and then they have to rake the bunker and they're still away, it is okay for you to offer to rake the bunker for them. So I suggest yes. you be a nice person and say, you know what, let me do that for you. Because you'll see caddies on the tour um, when their player's not in the bunker and the the person in the bunker might hit a really bad shot and they're still away. Now they have to rush. So just to help the group keep pace, go rake the bunker for them. Be a nice person. Yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah, and and I've done that over the years with my friends, uh, you know, when we would play – and our regular foursome, um, we would always do that. That was something that we, you know, if somebody again hit hit a poor shot and had to, uh, you know, dart over to the other side of the green and and do something, one of us would take care of of uh, raking the bunker uh, for them, just to just to keep speed of uh, pace of play up and things like that. Um, we just got two more, but they're again they're typical questions that a lot of amateurs, particularly, um, may not know and should know. And this is something that as a as a good teach professional and or coach. Uh, we should be showing them the proper techniques. This one here is, what is the method for repairing a divot in the fairway? Now, there's actually two ways that you can do this. What are your thoughts? Well, if you're up north, you replace the divot, and if you're down south, you mm-hmm. put sand in the divot. Um, so it depends where you are. And Alan, mm-hmm. it's funny because my husband played on the on the PGA Tour for 15 years, and when I'm in Florida, I'll go grab the divot. He goes, don't do that. Don't fill it in. It won't grow. So the grass down there almost grows like a spider, the Bermuda grass. So they yes. want you to fill it with sand that's typically on your golf cart. Yes. Um, either or answer is is uh, is correct. Um, and, again, again, depending on where you are. And most of your um, golf courses will, will tell you. Uh, you'll know if you get a golf cart, you'll see the – the, uh, a lot of times they may have a little container filled with sand uh, on the side with a little scoop in it, or some of them now have a little, uh, usually like a clear or milky-colored jug um, with a spout on it that is filled with sand, and also uh, is also filled, mixed in there, is seed. So you don't have to you know, do anything yourself. You just sort of lightly fill it in, and it will grow back. And you're right. You've got to be careful and, and know um, where you're playing and, and what sort of the ruling is on that because if you replace it with a divot, more often than not in the south, just because of the different types of grass, uh, it will die. Uh, sometimes there may be some exceptions, but um, a lot of times it will, and that's certainly not going to make the greenskeeper uh, very happy. So um, certainly, again, always check with the, with the uh, rules uh, for the local course and, and what they uh, prefer you to do. And the last one sort of runs uh, parallel with this, and that is what is the right way to fix a ball mark uh, or pitch mark, as it referred to, on the green? Believe it or not, a lot of people do not get this one. Well, and you know what? My son was yelling at me the other day because you don't know how to fix a ball mark. Um, I take a tee. (laughs) I don't really have a ball mark fixer, and I pick it up from around the edges, and then I pat it down with my putter, and he was yelling at me. I guess you're supposed to twist it, but I don't do that because I want mine to look nice. So tell me how to do it, Ted. Proper way to fix a pitch mark on a green obviously is to have the the proper tool um, but i i must confess i've used a tee as well uh you should use a little bit of a twist but here's where a lot of people make the mistake um they'll put the the pitch mark we'll just say they're using a proper uh, uh pitch repair tool they'll put the two prongs 
in around the, the, the mark. And what they will do is they will lift, they will sort of tilt it back and lift underneath the pitch mark and do that all the way around. That is the incorrect way. The reason why, and I'll tell you why in a second. The correct way is to, again, put the prongs in around the pitch mark and sort of lean it, tilt it forward and push the edges in towards the center and then tap it down, uh, as you suggested uh, earlier. The reason why you do it that way as opposed to the other way is if you tilt it back and lift underneath the pitch mark, what it does, it creates a pocket. And eventually what will happen is it will start to, that, that sand, there'll be a loose area underneath, and it'll start to sink, and it'll make a permanent mark on the green. So mm. there's a right way, and, and again, with that little bit of a twist, that's why your son yelled <laughs> Yelled at you, Cindy, because you were doing it wrong. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. <laughs> exactly. Well, thanks, but, but Chad. Know, I'm it, glad it, I'm here. <laughs> um, listen, we can all learn from. Listen, I, I'll be the first to admit I've done that a, a few times over the years, just out of laziness. But it, you know, again, one of the reasons I wanted to do this um, this discussion this morning, Cindy, is, you know. Uh, a lot of the questions that we, we covered this morning, a lot of amateurs really don't know or un, unclear. And there's nothing worse than, you know, coming up to uh, the golf course and not having um, the answers to some of these questions or being unsure. And because it, it actually makes it for a, an uncomfortable um, time, if you will, on the golf course, if you don't know the proper procedures to do that. Now, if you're fortunate enough and you're playing with somebody that is a little better uh, acclimated uh, with some of the things that we talked about, then that's a different story. Um, they can certainly help and guide you. But uh, when all fails, um, talk to them in the pro shop. Say, you know, don't be ashamed to say, hey, I'm, you know, I'm fairly new to golf I, and I just want to, uh, you know, get a clarification. They might give you a rules book or you can pick one up there. Uh, but, you know, that's something you can read a little bit later on your own time. But just some of those simple things, where to drive a golf cart uh, on the golf course, how to uh, repair a, a pitch mark on the green or a, a divot uh, out in the fairway. They might sound very simple, but knowing the rules and, and the proper procedures when you're out there playing will make it not only more enjoyable for you, but for the folks that are following behind, because there's nothing worse than following behind and seeing all kinds of uh, marks all over the golf course that, the guys before you um, neglected to repair properly, or as I said earlier, a pirouette of golf tracks from a golf cart because people are driving all over the place. So those are things that we need to, to keep mindful for, but uh, great discussion, Cindy. I enjoyed that. Um, we have our guest ready to join us. So let me just give a quick introduction and then I will bring her uh, uh, on Cindy uh, for our discussion for the second half of the show. Uh, our special guest, as I mentioned earlier this morning is Lauren DeCenso. Uh, she's a senior at Roger Williams University and a golf content writer for New England Golf Monthly. Uh, she is going to be graduating uh, next year with a bachelor's degree in journalism. Uh, she's an avid golfer and has been a member of the Rhode Island Women's Golf Association for six years. Uh, she'll be playing for the Roger Williams men's golf team during her senior year in college and uh, currently works, as I mentioned, as, as a golf content writer for New England Golf Monthly and uh, also assists PJ professional instructor Mike Harbour at his golf range in Warren, Rhode Island. Uh, but now she also runs her own online business and blog called Women's Golf Contact, uh, Content. Excuse me. Uh, she's hopeful that the future generation of girls will make their mark on the sport 
and her goal is to become a media representative for the LPJ Tour and continue growing her website and inspiring young women to play golf with the boys. So very interesting. Um, Cindy, let's welcome our very special guest this morning, uh, Lauren Desenzo. Good morning, Lauren. Hi. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me as a guest on your show. We're so thrilled well, we're to glad have to... you. So, go ahead. Yeah, Sorry. I'm go so ahead, thrilled to no, be go ahead. on here. Um, so clearly, you must be an entrepreneur. Uh, yeah, I guess I would consider myself that. I mean, I I work really hard at uh, on my website and for doing in golf monthly. So I really just want to grow the game for for women's golf. What a great thing Lauren, to do. Yeah, Lauren, let me yeah, ask you I very mean, quickly. Uh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh no, I was just gonna say. Uh, I was just gonna explain my website. So, By all means, like, go women's ahead. golf, <laughs> women's golf content. Uh, I started it because I really want to dedicate the game of golf for women. So right now I focus on writing about women's golf fashion, the latest LPGA news, uh, some new equipment, and lifestyle and beauty tips. So I really try to write articles that will appeal to the younger generation of golfers because I feel like that's an area in the golf industry that's very underrepresented right now, even though it's the fastest-growing segment. That's awesome. You're And you're – yeah, you're exactly right. What is sort of the feedback? Obviously, you, you've uh, being a young uh, woman yourself, but obviously you have friends um, that you talk to. Maybe some play and some don't play golf. What is sort of the general feeling uh, towards what you just said about um, really being um, not really pursued by the golf industry as much as, as maybe they should be, uh, even though it is the fastest growing segment? I agree with you. What's some of the feedback that you get? What would they like to see happen or changes made in the golf industry to be more accepting for that particular segment of the market? I mean, yeah. Um, so I really uh, try to help out the junior women's leagues around Rhode Island because, like I said, they're just so underrepresented. And, you know, I've experienced a lot of discouragement from, you know, different men's golf leagues Um so the Roger Williams University men's golf team, when I first inquired about trying out for their team, they basically told me, no, we don't want you to try out because you wouldn't be able to keep up with us, and I'm a woman. So, like, that really discouraged me. I, I don't want any other woman or junior girls to ever feel that way. So that's why I started this website, because I want it to be a forum where, you know, they can gather and, you know, have a community to talk about you know, different, different lifestyle tips and, you know, golf tips on how they can improve their golf game. What do you think is a misconception that a lot of um, players in your category have about um, golf in general? What's sort of the misconceptions that you, when you talk to some of your friends that don't play golf and they say, Hey, I, you know, I play golf. What's generally the response to you? They say, well, I don't get it. I don't understand how you play or what's so appealing about golf. What do you, how do you respond to them? Well, I basically tell them that it's, it's a great game to get into because it's underrepresented and, you know, it's fun. It's fun to play, you know, as a team. Um, I've met some of my best friends uh, playing on the Rhode Island Women's Golf Association. And um, I always talk to my friends about, you know, trying to go to the golf range, just try it out. I'll help you out. And actually some of my friends have taken up the sport. Uh, my friend Jenna she was never into it, and then she keeps visiting me at the golf range, and I show her some, and now she's she's in <laughs> love with it. So I guess um, the more we talk, I talk about it, the more I encourage it, the better the response. Let me ask you a yeah, question: so, Do you um, 
what is your season with the men's golf team? When will you be playing? I'll be play, playing in the spring. Okay. And how many events do you have? Um, I think we have about 10. Um, not really sure yet, but I know we play on a few golf courses in Rhode Island that I haven't been able to play at yet. So I'm really excited to try this out. And, you know, I talked to the golf coach of the team and he's actually really excited. And he was like, he was so appalled that one of the guys on the men's golf team denied me because he's like, you know, if, if you're a good golfer, you know, you have so much experience. Why would they ever say that to you? So he's definitely put you in the squad? Yeah, he did. So I'm very excited to be on the team and show them what I got. That's great. Now, <laughs> will you um, will you be able to compete in tournaments? Yes, I will. That's yep. awesome. Is he going to have qualifiers? Yes. And so he basically told me as long as I shoot 85 or below that I'll definitely be able to play in the tournaments and – I mean, I shoot in the lower 80s, so I was very confident about saying that, saying I can definitely compete and probably help win some tournaments. (laughs) That's great. That's awesome. You know what you should do as soon as you graduate? You should join the LPGA. I know. That's such a dream of mine. Ever since, you know, I started golfing around 10 years old, and I kept with it. I joined that league, and, you know, I continued uh, throughout it in college, kept trying to push it, push it. I fought against them with Title IX and all that stuff. So I've been working really, really hard to, you know, get my game in the 70s right now. So hopefully I can, you know, maybe get on the LPGA or at least uh, work with them to encourage young women to take up the game. Well, I think it would be great to join the tournament or the teaching and players uh, teaching and club professional division. It would be awesome. That really would be, yes. Super. Lauren, let me Lauren, let me ask you um, a question. Obviously, I know you're studying uh, journalism. Uh, in fact, uh, when you graduate, uh, you're going to have a bachelor's degree in journalism. And you talk about um, also maybe um, getting involved in other ways with the LPJ Tour, maybe as, as a, uh, an announcer or uh, a, a, obviously a journalist in that field. Um, what would you like to do? You obviously, I think you have some interviews actually coming up uh, with some interesting uh, young ladies from the LPGA. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so I'm really interested in becoming a tour guide. So I would, you know, follow around the LPGA and I would basically, you know, write about it or even like I would really love to be on TV for them and really, you know, support them that way as well because I've had extensive experience with broadcast news. So whichever way is you know, I go into, it's fine with me, but I really want to represent the LPGA because I've, I've been in the men's golf industry right now. And, you know, I've noticed that New England Golf Monthly doesn't address the LPGA or women's golf, except if I write the articles for them. So, you know, that's, that's another reason why I started my website um, because, you know, they don't address it and that really bothered me. And I wanted to, to, you know, pursue that. Now, you actually interviewed, um, and it mentions that you posted this. Uh, I was just reading through some of the notes here. Um, you actually did a, a, an interview with two um, LPGA professionals, Morgan Presley and Lexi Thompson. Is that correct? 
Yeah, that's correct. Um, I went to the CVS Caremark Classic as uh, a media personnel, and you know I was next to Fox News and ABC Six and all the you know the big uh, the big TV stations, and you know I felt like an amateur. But no, like Lexi Thompson and Morgan Pressel were were more than happy to be interviewed by me, and you know they're so sweet and caring, and you know they they were signing golf balls for all these young girls, and I just I just think that's great. That is awesome. What was some of yeah? What was some of the things that you talked? What what things did they share with you that that um, really impressed you? What were some of the? I mean, I know you don't want to give it all away because you want people to go and and read the article for themselves. But what were some of the things? What were some of the takeaways that you had from the interview? Well, I asked her a few questions about how to grow the game for junior women, and she said that you know you just you just have to talk about it, talk about it, um, have more leagues you know, women's golf leagues, because there's, there's really not that many. And the Rhode Island Women's Golf Association was recently changed into including both men and women, which, which is fine. But, you know, I really think that there should just be a girls league and really focus on growing their game. So that's basically what she said in a nutshell. Um, and, you know, I think that's great that she really encourages that and she supports that. Yeah, I agree as well. Um, Cindy, go ahead. So you haven't looked at the schedule for the spring yet, or do you know where the tournaments will be? I know um, a tournament will be at Swansea Country Club, which is right around the corner from Warren. Um, I'm not sure the rest of them, but I'm really excited to play there because I haven't played there myself yet. Um, I played all over, though. I played at the Rhode Island Country Club, Agawam Country Club. I really got a great experience with the Rhode Island Women's Golf Association, and I only had to pay about $40 per season, and I think that's awesome that, you know, they don't charge too much to play at all these awesome courses. That's great. Wow. How Mm. many guys are on the team? Do you know? Oh, they're all guys. Uh, It's about, I'm pretty sure it's about 15 to 20. And I'm going to be the first woman to be on the team because I fought against it with Title IX. So I'm really, really excited to be representing women. And maybe, you know, this will inspire girls at my school to, you know, join the team as well, seeing that, oh, there's a woman on the team. So why not? Absolutely. That's awesome. Yeah. That's so tell us some of the other things that uh, that you want to do with uh, – you started, as you mentioned, this new online business and website, uh, Women's Golf Content. Uh, tell us about right. some of the future plans that you have with it as well. Well, I am planning to add a few more categories in the near future, including golf travel, golf rules, and then women of, women of golf stars and opinionated pieces. And right now I'm looking for a few women writers that can help me take on that task, and I think that would be amazing. And also, I'm trying to um, make and sell my own set of golf gloves that would appeal to these young women, you know, with cute designs and all that stuff. Um, I've already talked to a few designers from New York, so I'm planning what types of designs I would want to include. And I was also thinking of selling some tote bags that would, you know, hold your cheese, your lip gloss, your ball markers, and your phone. So I'm going to, and I'm going to also going to make these totes that can clip onto your golf bag. So it'll be really convenient. Awesome. Very interesting. Do you know how to sew? Um, Oh, um, I personally don't, but these designers do. So they would, we would talk about the designs and then they would go ahead and make it for me. And I know some connections in New York. So, and because they went to my high school and there was a lot of designers in my high school. So, you know, that's a great connection to still have. 
Absolutely. For sure. Great idea. Yeah. It. Now, you said that you played, you started playing golf um, at about ten years old. How did you get into golf? Was was um, a family member, you know, mother, father? How did you get into golf um, at, at such an early age? What was the the, the method that you uh, got introduced to the game? Right. Um, so my father has always been, you know, really into golf, and he tried to get my brother and I um, into golf as well. So I would always go to the range with him. He really taught me my swing. Um, my brother never really got into it, so he really focused on improving my golf game. And then I also joined around, I think, 11 years old, I joined uh, Buttonholes uh, League, and I took some lessons from them. So that's where I started. And then in about eighth or ninth grade, I joined the Rhode Island Women's Golf Association, and they really, like, they really helped my game so much. Like, there was so many lessons and so many things that I've learned, including golf etiquette. And, you know, we had to actually carry our golf bags across 18 holes, even if it was a 90-degree day, you know, just to learn, you know, what it takes to be a golfer. You know, not all the fancy stuff like golf carts. Shoot, my golf coach really wanted us to learn what it's like and to have that golf etiquette. That's awesome. Well, so how do our our listeners find your uh, blog? I'm sorry, what'd you say? How do our listeners find your blog? Oh, so you can just type in women's golf content, and if you Google search it, it's on there. And I also have my own Facebook page, my own Twitter. I also post a lot on LinkedIn. So, you know, it's all over the place. if people want to follow that, I always post all of my articles on Facebook and Twitter and all that stuff. So if they're looking for a good articles, that's where it will be. Um, let me ask you um, a, a question j- just for let the listeners know. One of the ways that Lauren and I sort of got together on this um, was through a mutual connection who has also been a guest on my other show, Golf Talk Live, Brett Cohen. Um, Lauren, who you know I'm talking about. Uh, right. is yeah. a fitness, a golf, a golf uh, certified golf fitness instructor up in the New York area. Do you have plans with your um, your website to include a fitness component in it as well? Yes, I actually. That's why I started a category for lifestyle and beauty. Um, I really try to find um, women's you know, fitness. And, you know, one of my actually recent articles is about different ab workouts because I've noticed that that's, that's a really big component and also like strengthening your arms, strengthening your legs. So I'm trying to focus on that. And I'm actually trying to work with uh, the golf fitness account. Um, he's really interested in meeting up with me in New York and, you know, discussing some of the things I can cover. So I'm actually really excited about that because that could help my blog a lot. Yeah. And, um, Brett is a, a great uh, – he's been on my uh, other broadcast, uh, Golf Talk Live, a number of times uh, as a featured guest, but also as um, uh, we have a panel discussion on Thursdays as well. And uh, he's been on. He's a great guy. And there's also somebody else that you may want to uh, consider reaching out, just food for thought, uh, two great ladies in the golf industry um, that also specialize in, in fitness. Um, one is Catherine Roberts, uh, who okay. is the uh, president CEO of – Yoga for Golfers, I'm sure you've heard of her or may be familiar yeah. with her. And the other one is uh, Karen Palacios Jensen, and it's J-E-N-S-E-N. Uh, she's also um, very into the fitness side of uh, golf as well. Um, you mentioned about maybe getting some uh, people that might be interested in adding some written content. 
um, they might be two ladies that you may want to approach as well um, to, to get that component uh, from, from a female perspective for the fitness side of things might be something to consider. Right. Yeah, right. That, that would be amazing because, you know, right now I'm just looking for a woman who are really into golf that would be interested in, you know, contributing to my website because right now I'm, I'm the only one who, you know, tries to find time between all my classes and working, you know, two or three other jobs for golf. So, you know, it takes a lot of time and I'm trying to add all these categories. So it would definitely be helpful to find a few people interested. Yeah, and, and they're, they're both great ladies. We've had both of them uh, have been a guest on this show uh, as well as my other uh, program, um, both Karen and Catherine have been a guest on, on the Women of Golf show, and they're great ladies, very professional, and they know their stuff. So they certainly might be somebody you might, uh, a couple that you might want to reach out to as well. Um, so you're gearing up for um, playing on the men's, uh, uh, men's team next uh, spring, and yes. you've got your website going, um, and you're uh, obviously doing other things to, to help grow the game. Have you ever thought about playing uh, on a professional uh, com- uh, medium, if you will? Have you ever thought about actually playing uh, on the LPJ or even one of the other mini tours as well as a player? Yes, I've thought about it. And, you know, I'm just waiting to improve my golf game to get in the, the 70s because I feel like, you know, being on a professional league, you've always got to shoot lower and lower. So, you know, I I've, I've went from, I think, when I was in high school from shooting in the 90s and now I'm already in the low 80s. So I really, really think that that could be a, pos- a great possibility for me. Um, I would love to pursue that in the future. Perfect. Um, well, Lauren, thank you um, for joining us this morning and sharing some of your, your thoughts with us and that. And um, good luck also uh, not only in the spring when uh, you join the men's team, but also – uh, with your your new online business, women's golf content. Uh, so, is it will women's golf content dot com? Is the website? Yeah. Yep. Okay. All right. Well, best of luck with it. Thank you very much for joining Cindy and I this morning uh, here on the Women of Golf Show. We enjoyed uh, um, having you share some thoughts with us, and and uh, it's always great to to see uh, some young uh, up and coming entrepreneurs get, as Cindy said, getting out there and and finding some creative ways to, to get out and, and, uh, and help to, uh, to grow this game. So thank you very much for joining us this morning. Thank you so much. I, I had fun talking to you guys. And best All of right. luck. Thank you, this Lauren. This is awesome, all the stuff you're doing. Thank Keep you. it up. Thank you so yeah, much. Great job. And have fun playing next spring. Oh, definitely. I, I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thanks, Lauren. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. That was our very special guest, Lauren DeCenso. Um, great young lady, very, um, you know, enthusiastic about uh, playing. And, I, you know, Cindy, I like the fact that, you know, she's trying to reach out within her own community of friends. Um, that's why I asked her that question because, you know, that is a common question that, you know, a lot of young um, not just young ladies, but even young men that maybe have not been introduced to the sport that don't get it or don't understand. Um, so it's great that she's reaching out to, to her own community of friends to to try and get them and encourage them to at least be introduced to the game. And whether they grapple onto it or not is up to them. But um, it, it's a great way to uh, to at least you know plant that seed. Um, Cindy, I wanted to uh, give us a few moments here for a couple things. First off, I wanted you to share. Um, 
because you've got a great way to help people improve their game with Learn to Hit It Kit. So why don't you let it, the folks know uh, how they can go about doing that? Yes, I created a little online program for people to learn how to hit it clean, airborne, and straight on purpose. Um, you know what I find? I find that people who are not absolutely clear about what they're doing when they swing the club can have doubt, apprehension, and fear show up, and then they can't perform the way they need to. And so there's a couple of different reasons to help you become more confident in your swing and the ability to hit the golf ball, but also to help business people who don't have time, who know that they need to learn to use the game of golf as a business tool. So it's called the Learn yep. to Hit It Kit. So if you go to learntohitakit.com, you for $99 you get a portable golf mat, foam practice balls, a Golf 101 book, a coupon for 10% off any Callaway golf club, and a 10-module online course that you can watch on your iPad while you're swinging in your backyard or your living room to learn how to hit the golf ball clean, airborne, and straight on purpose. So for $99, it's less than an hour lesson, basically. You get 10 mini golf lessons. So go to learnthehitakit.com and get yours today, no matter what your level of expertise is. Yeah, and, and what's nice about it is because it is so compact, you know, if you're a business person that's traveling a lot, um, you know, you can access the great information. You can take the book uh, with you, Golf 101, um, and also the 10-module um, component as well. Uh, as you said, Cindy, you can watch that on your iPad or, or uh, other mobile device, and it gives you an idea of some of the things that can do to help you play better golf. So there's really no excuse. So if you're a business person that's traveling, you can take it with you um, and learn to uh, play this game uh, at a much better pace. So uh, great job, Cindy. And and lastly, what I wanted to to mention as well, um, I know that you've uh, played uh, recently in a couple of tournaments. Uh, just take a moment or two to, to sort of bring us up to speed because we weren't on last week, uh, obviously. So just up to speed. You played in a couple of tournaments. What were they again? I played in the LPGA National Teaching and Club Professional Championship at uh, Mid Pines Golf Club in Pinehurst, North Carolina. I finished mm-hmm. 14th. We did, I, we did defend our Pro-Am Championship. I had two daughters and two dads come down and play in the Pro-Am with me, and we won the um, net division of the National Pro-Am, which was awesome because one of the students of mine is 15 and the other one was 12, and their dads came down, and we all played together, and it was great fun. And then I flew to Boston for the BJ's Charity Classic, and on Friday we played in the Best Ball Invitational. My partner was Lori West. We shot three under par, and we tied for eighth, and we split eleven thousand dollars. So that was pretty. Wow. Fun. Yeah. yeah that's, you can't you can't squab- squabble over that. That's a great uh, a great finish. Fantastic. Um, and what have you got coming up? Have you got uh, any events coming up here in the next little bit? Well, we have a corporate outing we're going to do in a couple of weeks. And then uh, we have the LPGA Northeast Section 
Pro-Am and Pro-Pro Championship, October 9th and 10th in Connecticut. So my partner is going to be Angela Alente from Sterling Farms Golf and Country Club in the Alente Sitting Studio. She's Callaway Golf's National Club Fitter of the Year. And hopefully we're going to kick some butts. Sounds good. Well, lots of uh, interesting and exciting things happening in the next few weeks for you, Cindy. And uh, I know that you'll do well uh, in those tournaments as well. And uh, we want to thank the listeners for faithfully tuning in each and every week here to the Women of Golf Show. We appreciate uh, and we would love to hear from you. Maybe you've uh, got some thoughts that you would like to share with us. Uh, you're welcome to reach out to either Cindy and I. Uh, Cindy's email is cindy at cindymillergolf.com or mine is ted.golftalklive at gmail.com. Or maybe you're somebody in the golf profession that would like to um, uh, don't necessarily have to be a teacher or a uh, uh, golf coach. Maybe you're an entrepreneur like our earlier guest. Um, that wants to do uh, share something about how you're planning to grow the game and you'd like to be a guest on the show. Uh, or maybe you just want to come in. You've got some questions for either Cindy and I. Uh, we would love to hear from you. You're welcome to call us at uh, the number during the live broadcast Tuesdays from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern, and the number to call is 347-945-5855. And on that note, Cindy, we've, we've got to um, end the, the broadcast uh, this week, but we'll be back next week here on the Women of Golf Show with some more interesting topics to discuss and another great guest. So we hope you'll join us. Uh, so on behalf of Cindy Miller and I, I'm Ted Odorico. Thank you for joining us this morning on the women of golf. God bless everybody. And just keep out there working on your game. You're going to get better each and every time you do. Thanks, Cindy. Thanks, Ted. Have a great week. Bye-bye. You too. Bye-bye. <laughs>